All right, cool. All right, yeah, so last week we had the launch of Zeal officially, and it, and it was a good time. Um, we had coffee, we had pizza and hot dogs and games. More importantly, though, we had the Word of God, we had prayer, and we had worship, which is definitely more important. And um, so the title of last week's message was Zeal in the Ordinary. And I, I hope that many of you were encouraged by that, you know, just to have that zeal, uh, to be excited, even in these mundane moments of life, uh, just knowing that God is making moves in the background. Like there's still stuff going on all around you that God is doing things, even if you don't realize it. Um, he's moving pieces and things are happening. Even as I speak right now, God is moving stuff in your life to prepare you for something. Something is going to happen. And he's bringing about extraordinary circumstances. And these extraordinary circumstances, they're wide-ranging, too. They're wide-ranging. Um, they could be amazing experiences, like God finally bringing you your spouse. Or they could be uh, tragic things, like God allowing the loss of a loved one. Um, either way, in all of these things, they're all opportunities for God's glory to shine through in your life and for you to be further molded and shaped into the image of Christ, which is obviously the ultimate goal for us. In any and all circumstances, my desire is that we all have zeal. It's interesting that that's the name of this ministry. I want us all to have zeal. Like it says in Romans 12, 11, do not lack diligence and zeal. Be fervent in the spirit. Serve the Lord. But what I definitely don't want, I want us all to have zeal, but what I definitely don't want is for us to be described in the way that Paul describes the Jews in Romans chapter 10, verse 2, when he says, For I testify about them that they have a zeal for God, but not in accordance with knowledge. To have zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. What is zeal for God, but not according to knowledge? What does that mean? What does that look like? Well, in the context of Romans chapter 10, it's people who think that they know the way to God, but in actuality, they're far from it, far from it. And in the context of Romans, these people are trying to establish their own righteousness in error and completely miss the righteousness of God that is freely given to those who believe. I want us all to be zealous for God, but to be zealous according to knowledge. I want to make sure that we all know where to get this knowledge. This knowledge is right here, the Word of God. Psalm 19, it talks about how the Word of God is perfect, about how the Word of God is trustworthy, it's right, it's radiant, it's reliable, and altogether righteous. 2 Timothy 3:16 and 17 says that all Scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God, or the woman of God, may be complete, equipped for every good work. And one example of, of zeal that it is according to knowledge uh, just so happened to be a conversation that I was having with someone last night at our midweek study. If you're unaware, we do have a midweek study here on Thursday nights. 
but I was having a conversation with the sister, and the sister was telling me, she was telling me her testimony, and she was telling me, uh, she mentioned that one night uh, she discovered that she had the gift of tongues, that she had this gift to be able to speak in another language. And I asked her if she knew what, what words she was saying. Like, do you, did you know what you were saying? Or was somebody there to translate what you were saying? To which she responded, no. But that she also told me that she knows that unless you have someone to interpret, that you shouldn't really use that gift in public because of the risk of sounding crazy to people. This, this is biblical. Like, this is in the Bible. This is in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. This is zeal according to knowledge. That's what zeal according to knowledge is. Yes, you have the gift of speaking in another language, but you also adhere to and follow the word of God in exercising that gift. Otherwise, you end up with you know, all these churches out here where everyone's just speaking in tongues, looking crazy, and no one has any idea what's being said all in the name of being, quote, led by the Spirit. But the Spirit will not contradict the Word. The Spirit of God will not contradict the Word of God. The Spirit gives life to the Word. So how can the Spirit also contradict it? The Spirit can't. So we need to have zeal according to knowledge. I want to make sure that we have zeal according to knowledge, and this knowledge is found in the Word of God. It's found in the Bible. So with all this in mind, we're going to be in Psalm 1. We're going to be in Psalm 1, and we're going to examine what it says. We're going to be encouraged by it, warned by it, and then we'll get into some more worship uh, in light of prayerfully God speaking to us. Um, The message is going to be a little shorter tonight, but that's because we have something special planned. But before we do that, before we get into the word and more worship, uh, let's pray. Father, thank you for bringing everybody out here tonight. I pray, God, that you would fill this place, that your spirit would fill this place, that your spirit would fill each and every one of us, and that you would speak to us through your word, through the preaching of your word, and that we would leave tonight changed, that we would leave tonight different than how we walked in. And I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so Psalm 1. As many of you know, I read out of the Holman Christian Standard Bible, so if you have a digital Bible, you can switch to that translation if you want to follow the wording. Otherwise, Psalm 1. Let's just read the whole psalm, and then we'll, we'll go through it. How happy is the man who does not follow the advice of the wicked, or take the path of sinners, or join a group of mockers. Instead, his delight is in the Lord's instruction, and he meditates on it day and night. He is like a tree planted beside streams of water that bears its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. The wicked are not like this. Instead, they are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not survive the judgment and sinners will not be in the community of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to ruin. It's a good psalm. I like this psalm. So verse 1, it says, how happy is the man who does not follow the advice of the wicked 
or take the path of sinners or join a group of mockers. Now, the more literal translations of the verbs that are in that verse, it's walk, stand, and sit. So it, it says, how happy is the person who does not walk in the advice of the wicked, stand in the path of sinners, or sit with the group of mockers. So let's look at these things. The first part says, you'll be happy and blessed if you do not walk in the advice of the wicked. You'll be happy and blessed if you do not walk in the counsel of the wicked, if you do not walk in the purpose of the wicked, if you do not walk in the plans, the schemes, or the strategies of the wicked. And my wife, uh, she's on social media quite a bit, and me, not so much, but, um, you know, she'll be, she'll be, you know, scrolling through her feed, and every once in a while, she'll have, like, this, this, super, this super eye roll moment, where, you know, she's just scrolling through, like, like an eye roll so, like, massive that, like, she has to, like, her head goes back. It's just like, oh, my gosh, you know, type of thing as she's scrolling through her feed. Because she'll see something that's, you know, so beyond disturbing um, that somebody posted, and she's just like, are you serious? Like, you know, like anti-Jesus stuff or anti-Bible stuff or anti-abortion anti stuff. And it's always the same people posting you know, these, these anti-us things. And it got to a point where she came to the conclusion that whatever these specific people post on social media, like whatever, whatever they're sharing an opinion about, like she, she's gotten to the point where she already knows whatever they say, the right way of thinking is the opposite. Like it doesn't matter. Like she doesn't even need to like research these things anymore. It's just like, if the post starts with, the Bible is wrong because she already knows, like, okay, well, the Bible is actually right in spite of what you think that reason is. Um, and it's, it's, it's so interesting how, how true that is. Like, you literally, you read what, they, what, they, what they're opining on, and you're like, yeah, so the opposite is probably correct. Um, she's, she's already concluded this. It's, it's funny. But the reason I bring that up is that's a prime example of not walking in the advice or in the counsel or the schemes or the strategies of the wicked. Like you already know that they're, they're starting from the wrong foundation. So don't even bother. We must be at a place where basically no matter what a person says, if it's not rooted in the word of God, then it's probably best not to give it any credence. That's why the Bereans in Acts 17.11, you know, they were, they were considered to be more noble-minded because they listened to what Paul had to say but then they went to the scriptures to, to see if what Paul was saying jived with what was already written in God's word. We must be the same way. Hear people out. We hear people out. But if what they're saying does not agree with scripture, then it's time to respectfully hit the mute button. We don't need to be walking in that. We don't need to be entertaining that way of thinking, especially when it's dressed in Christian clothing especially when it's dressed in Christian clothing. You know, there's a lot of deception out there, a lot of deception out there, and we need to make sure that we know the word of God so that we can sniff out that deception. Always remember, there's always real food in traps. You know, you know with the rat traps, you put real food there. When you, I don't know if you guys have ever seen, uh, what's that show on Discovery? Um, the, the Deadliest Catch? 
Is that what it is? Deadly's catch? Am I saying? Is that a, is that a thing? Yeah, where they're 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 um they're they're getting crabs, right? And so in the crab traps, they're putting real food. I remember I went fishing one time, like out in the ocean, like we we're fishing for barracuda, and um, you had to like you know put these smaller fish. You had to grab these smaller fish and like it was really sad. You had to like you know hook them into the hook, and then you throw that into the ocean. And then the barracuda sees, like, ooh, a tasty snack. Boom, grabs the little fish, not realizing that, oh, well, now you're trapped. Um, but there's always going to be something that is real and delicious on the hook. So it's going to be something that's real and delicious in the trap, but it's only a little bit. And it's only used to cover up the real intention, which is death. That's how it goes for fishing. And that's how it is with you know, some of the preaching out here. I wonder how many of these big churches out here in L.A. are actually preaching the truth and not just making people feel, you know, warm and fuzzy while slowly killing them. You know, God have mercy on these churches and these teachers out here that are slowly killing his people with their deception, ignoring the truth of his word. So we need to make sure that we're not taking part in these thought processes these, these ways of thinking that are against God, that are wicked. How happy is the man who does not follow the advice of the wicked? And then it says, how happy is the man who does not take the path of sinners or stand in the path of sinners, remain in the habits of sinners, or present oneself to practice the practices of sinners? Keep yourself unstained from sinful practices, and you will be happy and blessed. Don't go to those places anymore. Don't go to those places of sin anymore. We all know where those places are in our own lives. Don't go to those places anymore. If you are in Christ, you don't belong in those places anymore. And when I say you don't belong in those places, I don't mean in the sense of like, you know, bad company corrupts good morals. Yes, that's true. Bad company does corrupt good morals, so you don't belong in those places. But when I say that you don't belong in those places, what I mean is that if you are a Christian, you have, been, you have been bought at a price. You've been bought at a price, and it's not with silver or gold. You've been bought with the precious and sinless and spotless blood of Jesus Christ. And you are no longer your own. You are no longer your own. The Holy Spirit of God lives inside of you. You don't belong to yourself. You quite literally belong to him. And therefore, since you belong to him, you don't belong in those former places anymore. You do not belong there. When you stand in the path of sinners, when you remain in the habits of sinners, when you present yourself to practice what sinners practice, you're going against nature. Because all those who are in Christ are a new creation, right? All those who are in Christ are a new creation. Old things have passed away all things are new. So if you're standing in the path of sinners and you have no remorse or regret, then it's likely that you're still that old thing and have yet to come into a saving faith in Jesus Christ. But if you do have remorse and guilt when you go to those places and you're feeling like, oh, I shouldn't have done that, then you're obviously not happy or blessed and you need to fix that. And it's very simple. 
It's very simple to fix that. Just repent. Just stop. Just turn away. Turn around. Walk away. Run away. Just, just go away. If you are in Christ, it's that simple. Just turn away. How happy is the man who does not take the path of sinners? And then it says, how happy is the man who does not join a group of mockers? Or sit with scoffers? Or remain with mockers? This is the person who surrounds themselves with people who openly mock God, but nothing is said or done about it. You know, you're there, you're with them. You're mocking God, mocking Jesus, mocking the Bible. In your silence, you're tacitly approving of all of their words and their mocking. Or worse, maybe you're joining in on the mocking. If you are in Christ and you're doing this, it's very likely that you're miserable because the word of God says that happy is the one who does not do this. So just repent. You know, just turn around. Just, just don't do it anymore. But verses 2 and 3. Here's where we get to the good stuff. Not that it's not all good, but verses, verses 2 and 3. Instead, his delight is in the Lord's instruction, and he meditates on it day and night. He is like a tree planted beside streams of water that bears its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. So instead of doing all these other things, instead of doing all these other things which make you unblessed and unhappy, the person who is blessed and happy takes pleasure in God's instruction, in God's word. You take pleasure in it. That word that translate meditate, you know how it says, uh, in the Lord's instruction, and he meditates on it day and night, the word that's translated meditate, it also means to mutter, to utter, you know, to, to, to speak. That's what it means. That's, all, that's also what it means. So it's not just the idea of, like, thinking about it. It's also this idea of, of speaking God's word to yourself. Say it out loud. You know, say it under your breath. Speak it out. And by implication, you'll begin to meditate on it because you're, you're saying it. And hopefully that's a practical tip for, for some of us here. Um, some of you who struggle, like me, uh, to, like, to meditate on stuff. Uh, my wife, randomly, you know, we'll, we'll be sitting there, and randomly she'll start laughing. And so then I'll turn to her, and, and I'll ask her why she's being crazy. I'm just kidding. I don't ask her that. I just, like, I'll be like, what's so funny? Like, we're just sitting here. We're not doing anything. And she's like, well, first I have to explain to you how I got here, because other, otherwise it'll just be random. And I already know. I, like, I already know what she's talking about. Like, I get it. And for those of you who have the same issue, like, if you know, you know, right? So, like, for those of you who don't know, for those of you who have, like, a, a sane mind, so, like, I'll start thinking, I'll start my thoughts with, like, cereal, right? Like, I'll be thinking about Fruit Loops. And then, like, through a series of random jumps in thought, a minute later, I, I'm, I'm, I find myself, I was like, you know, what if Tommy, Chucky, Phil, and Lil... What if they were figments of Angelica's imagination? And Rugrats was actually a show about this little girl trying to deal with trauma. You know, random. I started with Fruit Loops, and then I ended up with a very dark theory of Rugrats, which is an awesome show. Do you guys remember? Do any of you guys watch Rugrats? Yes, thank you. Yes, represent. I remember when that movie, when the movie first came out. Did you guys buy the soundtrack? Did you, with uh, Blackstreet and Maya, uh, take me there. Oh, yeah, anyway. 
Anyway, so for those of us who struggle with focusing on something, you know, the Bible says to meditate on his instruction day and night. Well, that word meditate also means to mutter, to utter, to speak. So speak, speak the word of God. Speak the word of God to yourself day and night, and then you'll find yourself thinking about it because what else are you going to think about your, what you're saying? Same thing with when I, when I pray. Like, I don't pray, like, in my, in my head because if I do, nothing will ever get done. Like, it's just, I'll, I'll be there forever. Same thing, like, when you're reading, right? Like, you have to read the same paragraph over and over again if you're reading it in your head because you're just, you can't focus. Anyway, um, out loud. Speak the word of God out loud. Speak the word of God. Just speak it to yourself. That's, that's, that's how you can ensure that, you know, the word of God, you'll be meditating on it. Which brings us to you know, one of my favorite parts. I don't, I don't know why this is one of my favorite parts, but the next part of scripture where it says, he is like a tree planted beside streams of water that bears its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does, he prospers. So I'm going to get into a little science lesson. I'm not a science person, but I read about this, and I thought it was really cool. I thought it was really cool when I read this. And some of you may remember me talking about this a few months ago. Some of you may not. But uh, we all know that trees and plants, they soak up water from their roots, right? So that's, that's, that's how it works. Um, so the tree will pull water from its roots and work against gravity to get the water up the trunk and into the branches and then eventually into the leaves. And once the water gets to the leaves, uh, this, this thing called transpiration. transpiration. Transpiration happens, which is basically when water is being evaporated out of the leaves and into the atmosphere. Transpiration. And Psalm 1 says that those who meditate or recite to themselves the word of God day and night, they're like a tree planted by streams of water. You're like a tree that will always have water to draw up through your roots, up your trunk, to your branches, and into your leaves. You'll always have water to nourish yourself. You'll always have water to nourish you so that you'll always be able to bear fruit and have healthy leaves no matter what the seasons are or what the weather is like around you. Apple trees will always bear apples. You know, whatever, whatever you do will prosper. You'll succeed. The apple tree, if it's planted by a stream of water, it's going gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna to bear apples. If, if an avocado tree is planted next to a stream of water, it's going to produce its avocados. If a mango tree, God bless those mango trees, is planted by a stream of water, it's going to produce many mangoes. I love mangoes. Who likes mangoes? Yes. You know what mangoes are the best, though? Not the big ones. Those, those little ones, what are they called? The... Um, a, a taufo or something like that. Those little yellow ones, those are way better than the big ones. The, the big ones, they're kind of stringy sometimes. The little ones are amazing. You gotta get the little ones. You gotta go like to the Hispanic spots though, because they're not gonna have it at Ralph's. You gotta go, you know, I've seen them at Costco, but they're expensive. You gotta go like to Superior, Northgate, something like that. Again, for like 30 cents a pop. Like, I'm, I'm saying, don't overpay. I got kids. Anyway, I don't know what kind of tree you are. I don't know what kind of tree you are. God knows. And maybe you know. Maybe you know what kind of tree you are, right? Or maybe you have no clue. Or maybe you think you know what kind of tree you are. And God wants to show you, like, no, 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 actually, you're, this is what I created you for. But you need to make sure that you're planted by streams of water. You need to make sure that you're planted by a stream of water, which is to say that you are delighting in God's word. You're delighting in God's word, 
You're dwelling on it because it's in that activity that God will ensure that you are prospering in the thing that you have been called to do. A pear tree will not grow peaches, right? A cherry blossom tree will not bear coconuts, no matter how much it wants to. Likewise, God has created each and every one of you, each and every one of us, for something, and it's not for the reason that you may be thinking. God has created every single one of us for a specific purpose, for a specific thing, but it's not for the reasons that you may be thinking, because we tend to fall into this trap that God is here to serve us. Like, God created us to serve us so that we can be fulfilled by our endeavors. But that's not true. It's not so. We have been called out of darkness, and we have been transferred into the kingdom of his marvelous light so that we can now serve and worship the one who gave himself on the cross for us. That is why we're here. That may mean being called into ministry. That may mean having a specific vocation. That may mean working a particular job, a particular nine-to-five for a little bit until you've fulfilled that mission there. Either way, we are here for God and not the other way around. And we need to be planted by streams of water so that we can fulfill whatever God has called us to, to prosper us in whatever we do. But some of us, rather than planting ourselves by streams of water, we try to survive and flourish off of the transpiration of others. Remember, I was talking about transpiration, where the water comes up the trunk into the branches and into the leaves, and it evaporates into the air. A lot of us, we try to survive that way. You know, we, we go to, we, you know, we listen to, we listen to, ser- we listen to sermons, we go to, we go to church and, and listen to the messages, we listen to podcasts, we listen to worship music, but we don't actually get into the word ourselves to be planted by the stream of water. We're trying to survive off of somebody else's nourishment. This, this message that has been prepared, it's because I planted myself by the stream of water, and here's Here's the outflow of it. Here's the transpiration of that. And it's, it's good for us, but we can't survive off of this. We can't flourish off of this. This is just one of many meals. You guys need to get into the word yourselves. You be planted by a stream of water so that you can be nourished, so you can bear fruit in season. So it says, instead, his delight is in the Lord's instruction and he meditates on it day and night. He is like a tree planted beside streams of water that bears fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does, he prospers. So I just want to encourage all of us to have zeal with knowledge, zeal according to knowledge, and the way that we do that is we plant ourselves by this stream that is God's word. Let's go to verses four through six. The wicked are not like this. Instead, they are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not survive the judgment, and sinners will not be in the community of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to ruin. So for those who are still dead in their sins, uh, who have not been made alive by God, they're not like trees planted by streams of water. Instead, they're like chaff, weak, lightweight, annoying chaff. Have you guys ever prepared a bowl of oatmeal? 
You guys ever had oatmeal? You know, like, like not like the in, in the in the bag, like you know, we're like rolled oats. It's like a big old tub. And, you know, you, you you scoop out the oats. Instead of water, you're like, no, I want this to taste good. Put some milk in there, and then, you know, you heat it up, boil it up, put a ton of sugar. My wife loves sugar. She just puts all kinds of sugar. Me personally, I put maple syrup. You know, get your cinnamon in there. You slice up some bananas, maybe some blueberries. You know, just chocolate. Put some frosting in there. You know, just make the oatmeal taste delicious. And so you go to take a bite. And let me know if you've ever had this happen. You take you take a spoonful of oatmeal, and then all of a sudden you got like this, this unchewable plastic thing, in between your teeth. That's chaff. That's, that's that thing that was surrounding the oat grain. Somehow it got through. Chaff is annoying. I hate chaff. That's why I stopped eating oatmeal. You know, just, it's not worth it. It's annoying. But verse 4 says that, it says that they're like chaff that the wind blows away. The wind blows them away. The way that farmers used to separate uh, the grain uh, from the chaff was they would, they would get a pile of the of the harvest, and they would get a tool, and they would just like, you know, whip. They would whip the pile of grains to, to loosen up the outer chaff from, from the grain. So they would beat it, and then they would grab another tool, like a shovel, and then they would like toss it up. And the heavier grain would fall down to the ground, but the chaff, it was lighter. So the wind, theoretically, would just blow it away. That's how they would separate the wheat from the chaff. The wind blows it away. So that's what it's meant when it says that the wind, that, that the wind blows them away like chaff, that the wind blows the sinners away like chaff. Those who don't know Jesus, the wind blows them away. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 14, it says, speaking of Jesus, and he personally gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers, for the training of the saints in the work of ministry to build up the body of Christ until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of God's Son, growing into a mature man with the stature measured by Christ's fullness. Then we will no longer be little children, tossed by the waves and blown around by every wind of teaching, by human cunning with cleverness and the techniques of deceit. So those who don't know Christ, they're like chaff that the wind blows away, And as I stated earlier, we need to be careful not to walk in the counsel or the advice of the wicked, especially when it looks Christian. Especially when it looks Christian. We need to be firmly planted trees next to streams of water instead of weak chaff that is blown away by others, by, by other winds of teaching, by other winds of doctrine. We need to be firmly planted so that we're not blown away by other winds of teaching that are deceptive through human cunning with cleverness in the techniques of deceit. Satan is very cunning. Satan is very cunning. But we need to be even more so. We need to be even more cunning than Satan. We're not ignorant of his schemes. We're not ignorant of the schemes of the enemy. But that's what those who don't have Christ are. They're like chaff that gets blown away. Those who don't have Christ, they're like chaff that gets blown away by the wind, and they will not survive the judgment because only those who have been born again in Christ will survive the judgment. Not because anything that we have done, if you sit here and you know that you have faith in Christ, you're going to survive the judgment, but it's not because of anything you've done. It's because Christ became sin 
even though he knew no sin, but he did this on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. He bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. And those who are without Christ, they will not survive the judgment, and their lives will lead to ruin, like it says in Psalm 1. Their lives will lead to ruin when they stand before God. And that's where we come in. That's where we come in as believers. We all have people in our lives. I know, because I have people in my life. We all have people in our lives that are living apart from the forgiveness and salvation of Christ. And their end will be death and separation from God in hell forever. So I would encourage all of you to just simply start up a conversation with those in your life about these things, about the things of of Christ, about the things of the Bible, about the things of forgiveness. Invite them out to uh, invite them out to zeal. Invite them out if they're within the, the age group. But if not, invite them out to Thursday nights. Invite them out to Sunday mornings. Invite them out to Sunday nights. Invite them out to every first and third Saturday if they're a guy. Like there's no shortage of, of Bible studies here at Core Church. So begin to talk to those people. Start those conversations with those people in your life that you know. So that they too can be trees planted by streams of water that bear fruit in its season and whose leaf does not wither and whatever they do can prosper too because they will have Jesus Christ in their life. But they need you to be you. They need you to be you and start the conversation. Invite them, invite them out to church. You'll see God do things in their life that you, that you never saw before. You'll, you'll see God do stuff in your life that you didn't even really think that was possible. I'd like to invite the band to come back up. But um, somebody, uh, somebody called my office this week, speaking of, you know, just taking the step to, to talk to people to start the conversation. Uh, somebody called my office this week, and, you know, they told me that, you know, they'd, they'd been inviting people to church. They'd been inviting people to church, and this person was just expressing to me how crazy things have been happening. Like, they've just been like, dude, like, there's, there's, there's just been a lot of crazy things happening. God's opening all kinds of doors. And, and, and as I'm talking to this person, like God is truly opening up doors for ministry. This person may not realize it, but God is opening doors for ministry. This person is just going about their day. They're just going about their day-to-day life. This person, is he's, he's just doing what he normally does. He wasn't doing anything out of the ordinary. He was just... He was going about his day normally. He was just taking Jesus with him. Wherever he went, he was just taking Jesus with him. And he's, he's open to obeying God's call to start these conversations with people. And God is, like, working in his life. And he's pumped. He's pumped up about it. So I just want to encourage all of you. Start those conversations. God's not calling you maybe some of you, but God's not calling you to, like, hit the streets and just start talking to random strangers. Maybe for some of you, yes. Maybe. Maybe for some of you, yes. Some of us do have that calling. But for others of you, 
for the normal people. Because <laughs> you know, those other people, they're, they definitely, they got something different inside of them. That they're, you know, if they're able to just like go out there and talk to random strangers, that's, that's amazing. But for, but for the rest of us, for the rest of us, he just wants you to take, God just wants you to take, take him with you. Take him with you wherever you go. And be obedient when he gives you that little, that little nudge. Be obedient when he gives you that little nudge to, to share with somebody or to invite somebody out to church. And that's part of having zeal according to knowledge. Knowing that you are here and have been saved for him and for his glory and not your own. Not your own glory. You have passions. You have dreams. You have aspirations. You have things that you want to do. Place those things on the altar as an offering to God. And just be obedient in your day-to-day. Just be obedient in your day-to-day. Have zeal in the ordinary and see what God does with those things that you offered up to him. He may give them back to you. He, he, He might just, all right, cool, here you go. Or he may give you something different. But at least you know that it's of him because you're planted by streams of water and you're, and you're being obedient. I want us all to have zeal. I want us all to have zeal. That's why I named this ministry Zeal because that's what I want. I want all of us to have zeal. I want us all to have a, a strong passion for, for God and for his calling in our lives, whatever that may be. But I want us to have zeal according to knowledge. And that knowledge is found in the word of God, God's instruction. How happy and blessed is the one who delights in God's instruction, who speaks it out to themselves and meditates on it. They will be like a richly supplied tree who will faithfully bear fruit and not wither away and die. And whatever you do in Jesus' name will prosper. So we're going to get into a little more of an extended time of worship. You know, typically we do one song, maybe, maybe two. We're going to do a little longer today. Um, just, just, just give this time to God. Just give this time. Just, just sing these songs to Jesus. Um, and let's sing all of these songs as a family. Um, and let's just be blessed. Like, let's just be blessed by the fact that we get to come here and we get to sing these songs to Jesus. Openly. Openly. There's, we don't, we're not hiding We are openly coming to this place to sing songs to God. We're not being persecuted for it. We're just here. So let's be blessed by that. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much uh, for even just this short message from your word. God, I just pray that you would be satisfied by, by our hearts. I pray that we would be humble before you. And God, I pray that during this time that we're singing songs to you, that it, these songs, that they would be um, just a, a sweet-smelling aroma, that your presence would be filled with our praises, and that you would be glorified by it, God. I thank you, and I praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs>